Lesbian Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would like to now introduce our speaker for tonight, Peter. Thank you very much. Um, I'm Peter. I am um, a compulsive overeater and I'm very grateful and humbled to be um, invited to, to share tonight, um, this evening. Um, I just wanted to start by just feeling the connection between all of us. Um, just a moment to just, just to, for everyone just to, just to feel that because that is what didn't exist in my life until OA. Um, sometimes that connection is there without even speaking, um, without even sharing. And that's the best way I want to start is just to feel that connection because it's overwhelming to try and sum up in three minutes a share, in one minute a share, and suddenly <clears throat> I'm asked to, to, to talk for, for, for a little longer than that. And it's a privilege and it's also really overwhelming. Um, so I'll speak from my heart as I, as I always do and give you everything I've got, which is first and foremost, um, the most enormous, inexplicable love, deep love for this program, deep gratitude. I've been um, I've been in this program for for about six and less than about six and a half years, six and three quarters years, but I've been absent for for over six of them. So I had about six months at the beginning, which um, was exploring the possibility of this of this proposition. Um, I I want to give a little bit of qualification because I find that helpful when other people share, just to prove that I am I am indeed a compulsive eater. In case um, I I ever thought I was an imposter, I've always probably thought I was an imposter in any program in any place at all. But this is the one place I really am not an imposter. Um, I just tell one one story about one snippet of one day, probably aged about 13, 12, 11, those years, for any of it, pick any of those years really, any years, but this happens to be a mum moment. And in an English school in London, <clears throat> an outsider in, in England, because I wasn't English, um, but I was in England. So there was always a feeling of not belonging. Um, and I, I'd always had fluctuating weight, um, always a real contradiction in this, in this respect, always a real yo-yo character. Um, but I guess one, one day in my life would have been the day where the whole day um, I would look at 
the, the way other people would eat during the breaks at school. And I'd see what this person would eat and that person would eat and another third person might eat. And I think, well, I'm, I'm normal, so I'll eat what they're all eating combined. That's how normal I am. And that, that would happen in, in, within a 20 minute Olympian way. I perfected the act, the art of speed eating. Um, hiding things in pockets, hiding things, um, thinking that I was eating invisibly as I was notably getting bigger all the time, thinking this whole thing was invisible and yet secretly crying out for some kind of help by incrementally ballooning to the point that everyone started feeling uncomfortable, most of all me. So I developed a kind of counter to to, to how I looked, which was a kind of charm that was attempting very, very hard to, to divert attention away from how I looked. And it was much more about how I acted. I could sing, I could, I could charm, I could recite poetry, I could write poetry, all these techniques of things I could do. But what was really going on? The balloon was bursting inside. The same day in my history, I would get through to the end of the day and I would stop on the, uh, at my bus stop in London and I would stop at a shop. I might have uh, a number, I don't know if you're allowed to mention individual foods, so I won't for the sake of, 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 of doubt, but a number of things that there's a word called chazariah. The CH must be pronounced very clearly, chazariah. It means rubbish. Things that are bad for the body, greasy things, fatty things, Moorish things. A lot of those things in a shop. Then I discovered other kinds of chazariah in, in another shop. So I would have both those shops covered on the way home. And then I'd start walking down the street and I had to finish all those things. It wasn't a long street. It was, you know, 40, 40 houses. By the time I'd walked those 40 houses, all of those things were gone. And I disposed of all the evidence. Then I went home and I had another snack. Now that snack at my worst, these are the microwave years, the 80s. My mother was working. So we had a microwave. And I remember putting in to the microwave a lasagna that feeds eight. Eight. Eight people. I put the lasagna in the microwave and I was so hungry, if that word is appropriate, that I burnt the whole roof of my mouth with that. Eight, you know, those microwaves in the eighties, they were, they were nuclear. They were, un, they were untested. These things were completely unsafe. And yet there it was, the roof of my mouth, totally burnt. I waited till it cooled down and I went through the rest, meal eight meal seven, meal six, etc. And then my beloved mother, who could see that her son was crying inside. She would make such an effort, despite having a double full-time job, to cook me some grilled fish, simple and healthy, after all that I'd had to myself. And she said, here, darling, I'd be like, I'm really not hungry, mom. I mean, how can you be hungry for fish after all that chazariah? It's impossible. There's no room for fish. There's nowhere for the fish to swim. Nowhere. So that is just one day 
out of thousands. And today I remember because no matter how burnt my mouth was, I still kept going. And I just want to kind of reassure you guys that this was not one day, uh, um, unique day. There were many versions of this day. And I never, ever thought I had an eating disorder. Not at any point did I ever think there was a problem. That is very sad. I was born into apartheid South Africa um, at its really its worst. And my beloved, I, I'm going to always refer to my mother as beloved because I lost her tragically and she was beloved when she was alive and she's beloved still now. And I'm going to tell you about how OA saved me in that, as well as so many other things. <clears throat> and she was a very anxious mother. She, she, I think she struggled to breastfeed me and she got so anxious about the fact that she wasn't able to breastfeed me that one of these people in South Africa told her that she's not, she's not doing well enough. I bet she was doing just about fine. She was told she wasn't doing well enough and that she had to give me formula. So at that point, she, she must have completely dried up and stopped lactating. And on, 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 they, on they go with a, again, really, really stodgy 80s formula. 70s formula. This is the 70s now. This is the early 70s. 70s formula. And I had a real contradiction. I had an anxious mother and I had this amazing woman who worked with, with a family who was this absolutely incredible woman who I loved. I loved beyond her death every day of my life. And she held me and she had the warmest arms of anyone I've ever felt. Her name is Caroline and she would hold me and she had no anxiety. She just held me. And I think that was probably the beginning of my eating issues was, was this kind of, this sponge-like ability to pick up on all the micro feelings going on, the micro sensitivities, the micro, tensions all around me. And I think I was born with that ability. I think I had it in the womb. I probably had it before the egg and the sperm even fertilized. That is just who I am. And it is a blessing and it is a curse. And yet here I am. And so I'm a sponge. I have a career that, that has been able to use that, this ability, but it's the same ability that has made me be very, very destructive to myself. Um, at the same time, uh, blindly for, for decades. So life went on. I struggled. I cried. I had an experience. Um, one day I went into school and this guy who came up to me and goes, really, I don't know how you can call your friends your friends. And I said, what are you talking about? So this is now aged about 15. I said, what do you mean? And he said, your best friend wrote on a massive wall in paint, P is fat. I said, he did not. He did. This guy said he did. And I went after school to, to my best friend's house. And I said, is this true? Did you really write Pete is fat? He was like, I did. And I was like, how is it possible that you did that? There was no part of me that believed anyone could be cruel to anyone else. I wasn't prepared for cruelty. 
I was brought up to believe that we are really, really good people. And I was always scared of nuclear weapons and robberies, and I was scared of death, and I was scared of war, but I didn't ever personalize it. I never really believed that anyone was, could do anything nasty to anyone else, because that's not who I am, and that's not who I could ever have thought. But what was really going on? I was being nasty to myself all the time. And he was the villain because he wrote the truth. Yes, he was nasty, but he was right. Pete was fat, put it in words. And yet when someone said the word fat, it was as if they had said the most outrageous thing of all time because it was so offensive. And I never once stopped to ask myself, why am I so offended? Is it possible there's some truth in the fact that I'm fat? This was confused extra by the fact I was a top sportsman as a kid. So I was yo-yoing between being crazy fit and crazy fat, fit, fat, fat, fit, fit, fat, fat, fit, on and on and on and on. Fastest, strongest, fattest. This is my extremism. So, so I sit, I stand before you all as an extremist, as a perfectionist, as a catastrophist, as uh, a person who, who, who loves people and who believes in people. But until I discovered OA, I didn't see myself as a whole person. I thought that I was just an extension of everyone else. And my real job in life was to serve. I don't mean serve the way that I'm humbly serving now by simply sharing. I don't mean that kind of service. I mean, the compulsive need to people please serve. And that was my life. And I was really good at it. I was really good at sorting other people's problems out. I thought my job was to become the, the go-between between my parents, the go-between my parents and my sister, the go-between and, and so on and so forth. And it went on and on and on. And I realized I was only happy when other people were happy. And I was devastated when other people were, were in trouble. And I didn't really have my own identity. And despite the ability to be able to sing and write and charm and laugh, what was really going on inside? Then suddenly something awful happened. My beloved, beloved grandfather, my best friend in the world died. And he was my hero. He still is my hero. I mean, I, I, I still talk about people who've died in my life in the past and the present tense all the time um, because I truly believe in the ever presence of love. I told my children the story last night that only true love is the thing that lasts forever. And when I talk about true love, I don't mean that to be a romantic love. I mean connection, real connection. And I'm jumping around and I hope that's okay, but I'm looking at something I wrote last week. And do you all remember how it says like, I love New York, that, that amazingly famous logo, or I love LA or I love whatever. And you know what I've written? I, I wrote, I love OA, the same way as that. I love OA and OA loves me. And I wanna jump pretty quickly into how it is, how I got lucky enough to discover OA and how, how much it's changed my life. But before I do that, I wanna, I wanna say that the choices I was making in my life 
were based on so many random elements of trying to trying to do life in such a troubled and yet moments of wonderful way it was i'd have these relationships with with people who they were intense and they were exciting but they were destructive and they were short-lived and, and they were edgy and drugs had a had a had a big play on me and getting ill had a big play on me uh, got really ill several times in my life um but when my when my papa died it all fell apart it just fell apart and my mum was i can say was in this case because she was an incredible um psychoanalyst and and i was really lucky to be so close to someone whose whole life was devoted to understanding people's deepest feelings and trying to help them and she taught me that asking for help was a strength not a weakness it's one of her great great lessons asking for help is a strength not a weakness and when my popsy died i went to seek for help because i i was i was i was really really in, in bad shape and um i started very very intense analysis and you know I, I went to analysis for a long time and it did so much for me but it never really went into my food behaviors it went into my relationship stuff it went into my parent relationships it went into some ancient relationships i did courses I did processes, I did reprogrammings, I did therapies, I did, and you know what? Every single thing I did had worth and worthwhileness and incredible people who were helping. Um, I'm a great believer that there is something there out there. There are many things out there for anyone, like there are many people out there for anyone. And yet it is only a way for me that has had the ability in a sustainable way to crystallize all the other work I've done for myself and on myself and bring it together in a way that works for me every single day and night of my life. And even when it doesn't work, it's gonna work soon again because this is my home. You are my people and this is my home. So I, I allowed myself to realize through, thanks to analysis, I realized I could have a relationship with someone I really liked. That's how far gone it was. I thought that the person, if I was gonna have a partner in my life, she, she mustn't really be my friend. She must be, that friends are over there and lovers are over there. And I, I had this great revelation. So hold on, I can really like a person who I make love with. Is that true? Is that possible? How can they be the same? I was, that's how, that's how, how kind of messed up I was in a way because because that's what that's what was modeled for me and I suddenly opened up these closed pores in my spiritual skin I opened up and I realized I don't know the answer it's the first time I just opened up I thought I was open because I was philosophically open I thought I was open because I was emotionally open but I still was trying to control things and although my eating wasn't as bad as it was when I was a teenager or a child, it, it was yo-yoing like crazy. I would start a relationship 
looking all sporty. By the end of that relationship, three, four years, sometimes less, I mm -hmm. looked like, thank you. I looked like, um, yeah, not great. So I found myself able to find someone who I liked and loved. And I started a family and I went to couples therapy um, and this couples therapist looked at me and within one minute she said, I cannot talk to you guys as a couple until he gets looked at for his eating disorder. And I said, what are you talking about? How? I just told you guys a snippet of all these eating experiences and yet in well into my thirties, I did not believe it was possible that I had an eating disorder. I did have, and I do have an eating disorder. And I found my way, it took a year from that moment and it took the darkest night in London when I realized that I was about to push my family away. It's not a way that allowed me to find a family. It's a way that allows me to keep a family. It's a, it's, it's, it's a way that allows me to see my role in the world and to see myself, to love myself, to like myself, to forgive myself through the workings of these incredible steps, through the incredible suffering and recovery of, of the people that wrote this book, this extraordinary book, through the understanding of the spiritual process. And it is through the opening my eyes through OA, I suddenly got away from the shadows. Although it is one day at a time for me, there is, this was, this is a lifelong privileged sentence for me. I am going nowhere but here. And yet life is moving all the time. I, I work the steps with my incredible sponsor here in LA. Um, I work the steps with an amazing sponsor in London. I, the steps are, are essential. The outreach is essential for me. Getting out of my own way is essential. Being available to you is essential. When I'm asked to lead a meeting and when I got asked to lead this meeting, I was really ready to say no because I'm recovering from a humongous brain surgery that I had six weeks ago. Massive, absolutely massive. I could not have got through that brain surgery without OA. I am truly blessed. I am truly blessed. And it wasn't just a brain surgery. It was, it was, it was half brain and half other parts. And I won't get into the details, but trust me, it is people in this room and in this program who have been my angels. It is my higher power who I speak with, with my, with, with my body, with my soul and with my words asking for help it is the thanks to OA I have survived the tragic death of my mother and when I when when, when you're really in trouble when I'm really in trouble this program is right here it's allowed me to continue my relationship with my mother beyond her death because I know the spiritual realm is actually more tangible than anything else until OA, for me, God was a word I did not feel comfortable saying. My eight-year-old daughter said, Dad, do you believe in God? Not long ago, I said, I do. 
I really do believe in God. And it's an uncomplicated answer. I may say the word God differently to anyone else. People have all got, we've all got our issues with the word God. Maybe some do, some don't. God for me is definitely not a man. God for me is what it is for me. But one of the most important things that OA teaches me is that we all have much more in common than, what, than, than, than our differences. It is our weaknesses that bind us. And we have so much more to gain from being together. I have formed friendships, relationships. Someone on this meeting saved me from slipping down the slope of no tomorrow two days ago. So that's how fragile my recovery is. I, 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 I speak to you as someone who feels my recovery is very strong, but that is only right this second. I could wake up tomorrow the goldfish in me is like, who am I? I'm ready for any, and I am not ever going to be sorted out. But with the tools, with all of you, with doing what I'm told, and with realizing the more I let go and get out of my own way, everything goes better. Life is a miracle. Our very existence is a miracle. And OA is that the best proof I've ever seen in my life of people working together for no reason, for no money, other, the only reason is to be for everybody's mutual health, serenity, peace, and recovery. We need each other to get through the day and the night as easily as possible. And sometimes those days are excruciating. Sometimes those nights are unbearable. And sometimes those days are four seasons in one day for me. And just when I'm feeling great, I can go down again. But the difference is I'm not alone. And I, I wanna say that OA has taught me to love myself. So, so the first revelation was that I could like someone to have a relationship with, well, how about me? I like myself and I'm having a relationship with myself and it's really healthy. And we, me and my, myself, have just been through the most intense experience in my life. And when I walked out of Cedar sinai Hospital seven and a half weeks ago, being told that the worst case scenario is really, really bad worst case scenario by an amazing doctor who ended up saving my life. I saw a flash of light, the sun against those tall buildings of Cedar sinai West Hollywood. And you know what I thought? I felt my higher power talking to me. And you know what my higher power said? Or what the, the voice in my head? Live today. Live now. Go home. Be with your kids. Now. Be with myself. And in going home and realizing that the disasterist in me, the catastrophist in me, could just imagine. It wasn't hard to imagine the worst anymore because of the conversation I'd had with this doctor. And yet, I heard a melody in my head that was so happy and so positive. And the words, beautiful people loving each other, beautiful people loving themselves, came to my head. That's program. Beautiful people loving each other. Beautiful people loving themselves. That is a way for me.
I get to love myself one day at a time. I get to love you all forever, unconditionally. I'm not scared of any of your pain. And I know you're not scared of mine. And sometimes it's really important not to feel judged. And I tell, I tell someone I sponsor, there's nothing you can say. I will never shame you. I will never judge you. So for people starting, for people struggling, for people celebrating, and I'm so, I mean, the amount of recovery from you all who spoke at the beginning of this meeting about these years, 13 years and one year and 38 years. And I mean, I am, I'm humbled to be part of this fellowship with that much recovery. I stand on the shoulders of giant giants and giantesses. And we, we, we are getting through this pandemic one second at a time as, as excruciating as it is. And that is recovery. And I, I, I want to stop because I want to hear what you guys have to say with any time left. And I, I just, we just got to keep going. This has all been laid out for us. We just got to keep going. And when, when the voice in our heads and the voice in my head says, I don't want to go to that meeting. I don't want to do something I masked in program. That's the voice that I don't want to listen to. When the voice says beautiful people loving each other, beautiful people loving themselves, that's the voice I want to hear. That's the voice I want to share. So thank you for letting me say these words. And I wish everybody unconditional and eternal love. Thanks so much, Peter, for that powerful share. Um, unfortunately, we don't have any time for questions this evening, so I'm going to turn it over 